0: Well, hey there, welcome to the very first episode of Streamed and Screened, a podcast about movies and TV shows distributed by Lee Enterprises. The show is hosted by Bruce Miller, an entertainment reporter for multiple decades, who is now the editor of the Sioux City Journal, Jared McNett, a reporter for the Sioux City Journal, and me, Chris Lay, the podcast operations manager for Lee. If you are new to the show, welcome. We're happy to have you. And if you've been here for a little bit, you'll know that we used to be called just be nominated. You see, when we started the show two years ago, we had an awards season themed approach. But over time, the show ended up covering TV shows, streaming networks, the film industry, box office numbers, etc., cetera, et cetera. Ultimately, we figured that it was time to rechristen the ship with a more appropriate title. Thus, streamed and screened, The other big change is that you'll be hearing interviews with guests a whole lot more often, if not every week. This week, for example, Bruce had a great conversation with honest-to-God legendary songwriter Diane Warren, who over the course of her career has been nominated for 12 Academy Awards, but somehow has yet to snag the statue. We're going to find out this weekend if her song Somehow You Do from the movie Four Good Days will earn her nomination number 13. Also, we're gonna round up some of the brand new movies and TV shows worth seeing with links posted in the show notes as they apply, along with contact info for us if you wanna catch up and find out what we're up to. Finally, if you like the show, please tell your pals, tell your friends. Also, you can let us know what you think in the review section of the show wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here it is. Our show kicks off after this short pause. Welcome to Streamed and Screened, formerly titled just to be nominated. It's a new show, we're kind of testing out a new format. It's new and improved, come on, it's new and improved. Can't you feel it? It is absolutely new and improved. That, uh, the voice you hear is Bruce Miller, who's an entertainment reporter for multiple decades, currently the editor of the Sioux City Journal. And then we also have Jared McNett. say hello, Jared. Hello. Jared is a reporter at the Sioux City Journal, and me, I'm Chris Lay. I'm the podcast operations manager for Lee and also just a uh, big fan of movies. Chris, we are now a one week away from the Oscars.
1: Now, isn't that kind of the moment for all of us to be rallying around? Because who's going to be nominated? You know, that's, that's the big thing. When those nominations come out on February 8th, it's going to change a lot of fortunes. It's everybody's game right now, but... Who really do you think has a, sh- a shot at getting this stuff
0: well we have an interview at the end of the episode with diane warren who is the most nominated songwriter best song yeah for best song um and so we'll get to hear what getting nominated that many times is like and we'll uh we can talk about some of the some of the songs from there but uh but first we're gonna round up the things that are coming out over the course of this week that are worth being streamed or screened. Screened being in theaters, streamed being on, on your streamers, your, your, your Netflix, your, your HBO Max, your, your Hulu. Or screamed.
2: Or screamed, yeah. Jared, did you see Scream? I did. Uh, I saw it. I think I saw it opening uh, weekend at the tail end of opening weekend, and uh, I uh, had fun with it. It didn't, you know, like drastically rewrite like that franchise or like upend my expectations of like what a horror movie could be. But uh, I thought it was uh, plenty of fun, especially uh, the last third of the movie in particular. There's a lot of fun stuff to be had uh, near the end, I thought so.
1: So you are fine with it. Mm-hmm.
2: Fine, not uh, not down on it, and not my uh favorite horror movie I've seen over the last year or so either. So
1: so there's <laughs> your screening report for the week.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Streamed, screened, and screened. Yes. Bruce, what uh what have you been catching up on this worth, Sharon?
1: I have been doing a deep dive into Pam and Tommy, which is the Pamela Anderson, Tommy uh, Lee, kind of slice of life miniseries. It shows what happened when, if you may remember, a long, long time ago in the 90s, they had a sex tape that they had put in a a vault and expected nobody was going to see it. Well, somebody did take that and then put it on the World Wide Web, and it kind of evolved into this whole big thing. Well, this is an interesting kind of take on what happened, but it's done by the director of um I, So you get a very kind of similar Itanya vibe to it. So it's funny and it's incredibly graphic. I must say, I have never seen so much nudity on a streaming service in my whole life. And that includes HBO. This is like unbelievable in that respect. So I'm warning you right up front before you start looking at it, if somebody in the room is gonna be offended, do not watch it while they're there. Lily James is playing Pam Anderson, and she is incredible, incredible. She is exactly like Pamela Anderson, and I must tell you, I have interviewed Pamela Anderson, and I know what she's like, and I know the kind of coy things she does, and this woman captures every bit of it. Sebastian Stan from um, Captain America and all those kind of marvel things the titular winter soldier as it were yeah he's always kind of dour i always saw him as kind of this depressed guy every time i see him in movies i think he's depressed well here he's tommy lee and oh my god oh my god he's very wild untamed funny very very funny and naked so much i think i could (laughs) tell you everything about him Now, I'm assuming that they're using prosthetics and things like that in this film, because I don't know how you get an actor to say yes, to do those kind of things. And then to also consider himself a double for Tommy Lee. So interesting, I can't tell you exactly um, where I'm gonna land because I think we're embargoed in terms of talking about it, but I will tell you that much about Pam and Tommy. It's gonna be one of those kind of shockers that will make headlines.
2: I had completely forgotten that this was a thing that was coming out actually. Like I I remember when this got announced and just thinking it was wild that they've gotten to this point of like stuff from the not so distant past still. I mean, 30 years ago, is still not that far back in the past, but I like, I remembered when all that got announced and then I just completely memory hold that until we were all set up to, to talk about this. And I had forgotten that, uh, the guy that did uh, Itanya and also way back when uh, *Lars and the Real Girl*, uh, Craig Gillespie was doing this. So I think I'm—you've roped me back in on this now, Bruce. I'm—I'm uh, I'm interested in this again. You know, I once was at a party with Tommy Lee. Does that
1: sound like I'm really dropping something there? And he sat next to me, and you know, what do you ask Tommy Lee? Really? I mean, <laughs> come on, what do you ask him? And I said, "Tell me about your tattoos." So we talked tattoos for a night, but the coolest tattoos he had you won't see them in the beginning part of this film were his children's names on his arms and he asked the kids to sign it like he would they were probably four or five years old somewhere like that to write their names on his wrists and then he had a tattoo artist go over them so you have these little kid words names you know on on his wrists and I thought it was like the coolest tattoo I've ever seen. And I know that sounds really strange because I would not have a tattoo if you paid me a million bucks. But I thought it was a good idea because it did say something special about him. It wasn't just something like thug life on my chest. It said something about him and his family and it kind of told his story. And he was a nice guy, really nice guy. I enjoyed him. But anyway, that's my two cents worth with
0: Tommy Lee. And as someone... Uh, yourself, who, uh, who has spent a certain amount of time with, with both of them in, in, on separate occasions. You, you say that the, the show rings true.
1: Oh, I think they capture their, their personalities just right on. It's right on.
0: So far, it's been good. And that is starting on February 2nd on Hulu. And do you know, is that going to be something where it's all out at the same time or is I that going to be episodic? Yeah, I knowing Hulu's
1: kind of past, they give you a, I think they give you three in the first run, the first week, and then I think they parcel them out after that, so that then you're not binging everything. but the first three are going to show you a lot. Jared, what do you got?
2: Well, I mean, come on, the the screen thing that I'm most looking forward to in the the immediate future is, uh, is jackass forever, and maybe we can both talk about that because it got pushed back. Did it get pushed back once or twice last year? I don't even remember. It got pushed now. back
0: twice. I think it w- it was supposed to be a summer release, and then they moved it to October. I think Paramount pushed a whole bunch of things back, I think, once like Omicron <laughs> was announced. And so it finally is coming out this weekend, jackass forever.
2: But look how old they all look. Which gets addressed in the uh, in the trailer for uh, the movie. Steve-O uh, talks about that. You know, well, you can uh, basically get concussions right up until you're 50, and you'll be good. So,
1: <laughs> well, then we're we're borrowing time here <laughs> with those guys. We'll see what happens. But you know, the thing I've always noticed about Jackass is they will, no matter how hard you hit me or what you hit me with or where you go, they're going to sell it like
2: oh.
1: Like it was the worst thing ever. They're very good at showing pain.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, like I think and I think we've talked about this before because we've talked about Jackass a surprising number of times. But like it's like Three Stooges level in terms of physical comedy. Like those guys are all incredible, like physical comedians. They they sell it perfectly. Like the way they set up the stunts and stuff is about as funny as you could set up the stunts to like maximize the laughs and everything that – they're geniuses in that respect. And that's one of the many reasons I'm so excited to, to see a jackass and also just to hang out with those guys. It's fun to hang out with those guys in these movies.
0: Yep. And the other element, I mean, this is, they've been doing this for over 20 years now. I mean, this started in what, like 96, 97 on, uh,
2: with a magazine. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. With a, with big brother magazine. Um, and you know, kind of brought all of the, the pieces together and, it's. It feels like this one is very much uh, acknowledging the the children that that they've spawned with Eric Andre being involved and
2: yep. Tyler the creator shows up
0: and also kind of passing the torch in a way and so we can kind of finally let them all <laughs> you know rest uh, and not have to do any more of this stuff to themselves.
2: But, I hope yeah. to God that that's the case. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And it's it's something where their their track record is so sterling that even though it's it's been so long since the last one, I I have faith they wouldn't have done this if they didn't have faith in it. Yeah. In all of the the time that they would have spent putting this whole thing together. And yeah, I'm incredibly excited to to go and see that in a theater with uh, with with human beings.
2: Well, they basically had, let's see, Jackass 3D was 2010. So they basically had 20 or uh, sorry, 10 years to come up with new stunts and like ideas and stuff like that. So that's a that's a good long stretch of time to whittle down all of those possible stunts into a 90 minute movie or whatever it is. Runtime wise.
1: Yep. It's coming to the point, though, where Johnny Knoxville will be dirty grandpa.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yep. Then he won't have to wear the prosthetics anymore. He can just ah, like, He's just yeah. there. Yeah. He doesn't have to do the makeup and all that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm waiting for it too. I, I loved when they were on MTV. I thought that was really fun and we got enough of it so that you kind of did think it was Gonzo and the people were, you know, just off the streets and they were doing this stuff. Now it's like there's higher stakes because they are somebody Mm -hmm. and they, you know, you think, Oh, I don't want them hurt. I don't want this happening or somebody to die, God forbid. But, um, it is fun to see them get to back together. It's like a class reunion where you'd watch the class clown, but you wouldn't necessarily hang with them.
2: What is interesting too is that, like, like everyone knows these guys at this point. But like, even, even like Johnny Knoxville at this point, they don't really show up in like other stuff. So like, this really is the only way you get to see some of these guys, even though they're all very well known at this point. Like, you really. Don't get a window into what they're up to unless you watch the Jackass
1: movies. <laughs> Except for Johnny Knoxville, who was in the uh, Dukes of Hazard
0: movie, which let's rethink that one, shall we? <laughs> Jackass Forever comes out this weekend, so go and see that if you can. Yes. Uh, and the one that I'm going to throw out there as a recommendation, uh, I'm, I'm intrigued by this. Bruce, you might have actually seen... uh a a screener for this but uh murderville the the new show that is coming out on the third on netflix february 3rd it stars will arnett and it is a improvised detective show Hmm. where he is a detective named terry seattle and they bring in celebrity guests uh kumail nanjiani ken jong Rob Hubel, Conan O'Brien, David Wayne, big names, I guess in you know in comedy circles, and they have to improvise along with him to solve these crimes. And it sounds like it could be really interesting or not that.
1: <laughs> so the thing that prompted all of this was only murders in the building. It did really well, and you look at that and you think. Steve Martin and Martin Short and Selena Gomez, that's not a trio that you'd really think would be a hit. You know, it either skews old or it skews something you don't know. And it was a hit and it got a lot of awards attention. I think these murder mysteries are popping up pretty rapidly. There's another one coming, I believe it's on, is it on Apple called The After Party? And The After Party, um, you will like that one. That's very good. It's kind of fun. James Franco's brother, Dave, plays this kind of odd celebrity who dies. And then you've got to backtrack and figure out who was the one who actually uh, was responsible. And they show goofy things. And I think you might've seen clips of this when they've gone on the shows where he did a movie version of Hall and Oates. And it's just stupid stuff where they say like, no, you only can have one with a mustache in a, in a uh, duo. And uh, Channing Tatum plays Oates. Um, So it's interesting to see how it all spills out. But it is funny. Tiffany Haddish is in it. And I think that's going to be a new model. We're going to see more and more mysteries on TV um, in these streaming things. Because people will take five to eight episodes and they're good with it. But when it's more than that, I don't know that they like to watch a series. You know, the idea that you're going to see another series like This Is Us, good luck.
0: Murderville is you know lampooning some of those tropes and then we also have uh came out uh, last week was the woman in the house across the street from the girl in the window the Kristen bell show on netflix which is another uh I mean, lampoons a lot of those tropes the jillian flynn kind of knockoff stuff which i mean i nothing against jillian flynn great writer uh, gone girls, fantastic but this is definitely taking all of that throwing it into a blender and then you know mocking it with its own its own entrails
2: <laughs> I guess I gotta say I I like Kristen Bell a lot and I think she's really really funny I not a fan of the title of that because it just reminds me of the worst of like those like ripoff uh not even epic movie type movies but like the 41 year old version who couldn't stop forgetting about Sarah Marshall like those kind of movie titles like you can do better than that like Netflix producers come on man don't don't go with like the low-hanging fruit for the movie or the show title
0: (laughs) yeah so murderville coming out on the third on Netflix uh which is based on a a British sitcom so it has some kind of a pedigree behind it but I'm I'm interested to see what the execution is going to be like because I feel like that's where it's either gonna you know sink or swim Cause it, it feels like it could be just absolutely unwatchable or really interesting. So it's got enough great names attached to it.
2: Can I, uh, can I say for other, uh, new stuff that's out, like, I actually think I'm going to go see Moonfall at some point this weekend, maybe, especially cause I've got that, uh, lovely AMC movie pass. Who's not paying me to, to promote that, but like, you know, I get three, I get three a week and I might just go watch, uh. People fight the moon uh, this weekend for probably two plus hours since it's a Roland Emmerich movie. I can't imagine it gets over with in uh, less than two hours time. I'm all in on that. It looks incredibly stupid and I'm totally fine. with that. You know, I wonder with Halle Berry, why does she say yes to some of this stuff? It's, it's not been a, a great string of movies more recently.
1: Well, she just had one that she directed and boy, did that ever go away quickly and then now this one comes out and you think, I thought she was trying to say something with her career. And I don't know.
2: She was, I mean, she was fun in the, the last John Wick movie, in John Wick 3, but that was 2019. So that's been a little bit. Yeah, well, um, it was the
1: one where she was beaten up.
2: Uh, Bruce, that was the one for 2020. Yeah,
1: that just came out. We just got that one. And um, the idea that now, oh, I'm going to follow that one up with the, the moon is tipping. Yeah, right. This is good. This is good. So I really wish she would make better choices. And I think she has access to people who can help her make better choices. But I do not see this as one of those. But you use that little pass and you just see what that is, because I don't know that I'm going to be going to it.
2: Well, I'm under no illusions that it's going to be a good movie, but it looks like it'll at least be a spectacle. And I'm fine with that. So
0: (laughs) I think spectacle is the the word i think to to describe it it seems like it knows exactly what it is and is not aspiring to be anything other than a ridiculous premise and i mean like you said roland emmerich is not exactly known for uh subtlety or (laughs) so yeah i mean it seems like it could be a lot of fun again if you just kind of turn off your your brain
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> your entire brain yeah if you if you are almost comatose <laughs> yep it'll be a lovely movie
1: bruce i would like to talk about the oscar nominations because i have a feeling jared that somebody mm-hmm. that you really like could actually be nominated i have been seeing a lot of buzz that's going in that direction and that somebody is your nicholas cage and pig
2: do you I'm think it's Um, I, I hope it does. Um, I don't know what that means in terms of who the other nominees are going to be. If Nicholas Cage does find a way to make it on. Um, I I'm all for that because that really was one of my favorite. I've talked about how that was my favorite movie from last year. And that was definitely one of my favorite performances from last year. I don't know what I liked more. I'm sure if I thought about it a little more, uh, I could name like one or two, but I, I'm totally good with that, especially because you know, for certain movies, like the reason people care about this stuff is like, you know, if you get an Oscar nomination, that gets a little bit more spotlight for your movie. And that was a pretty independent movie. So if more people find out about that movie, I'm totally happy with that.
1: I think there are going to be surprises like that where you go, where did this one come from? I'm not sure. And, you know, uh, Simon Rex is another one that could be slipping into that category. As much as people think Denzel Washington is kind of a lock, I don't think he is. I think Denzel could be like the fifth one on the list
0: and could easily be bounced by one of those two. And it is worth throwing out there. I mean, we're talking about things that you can watch this weekend. Uh, A24, the company that distributed Red Rocket. The Tragedy of Macbeth. And the Tragedy of Macbeth. Yeah, both of them. Tragedy of Macbeth has been on Apple for uh, since like Christmas Day, I believe. And Red Rocket had like a short, short little run in theaters. But uh, this weekend, it is actually for one night only. A24 is having it on their website. I think tickets are like $20, but um, it's part, part of their screening room program. Where you buy the ticket and then on Saturday night you've got a like a four-hour window to to jump in. So I can throw that out there, definitely. And it does seem like he is uh moving further and further up in the the dark horse category for best actor. There's and a lot very of buzz. Good.
1: He's very good in the film. Yes. It's just the idea is people do we give him credibility is he really one that we call an actor or is he just playing a a role that's close to himself and i think it's a good acting performance
0: i mean we're coming off of a year you know previously where nomadland won and that was based you know the the success of that movie hinged so much on the non-actors that were involved in that and um
2: sean baker
0: yeah sean baker is is known for doing the same thing you know getting a lot of non-actor actors and having them portray themselves in a certain light so I feel like if it's if it's framed the right way it really could could happen and but it also seems like Simon Rex isn't necessarily invested I guess I mean he seems pretty content to just sort of ride it out and not not campaign super hard but I'm not sure I don't know um, how that's gonna how that's gonna roll. Well, you'll look at the list too,
1: and and they say that Lady Gaga is like doing everything she can to get nominated, and likely she may not for the House of Gucci, Um, and that leaves a lot of openings in the Best Actress category. Kristen Stewart is another one they say, don't count her in because we don't know if she's going to get nominated, but the one who's kind of leading the pack in all of that, Nicole Kidman. For being the Ricardos, which nobody, nobody said she was going to be on the list or even leading it at one point.
2: Oh, Bruce, I thought you were going to say no, uh, nobody saw that movie because, like, I genuinely don't know anyone that saw that movie.
1: Amazon. Get to Amazon. You'll see it.
0: Well, I mean, that's one where I think I use, um, like, CBS Sunday Morning as a little bit of a gauge for, you know, who's who's making... Moves and when being the Ricardos came out, they interviewed both uh, Javier Bardem and Nicole Kidman. Um, you know, kind of pushed that, and then they had Kristen Stewart on this past weekend. Uh, so, you know, it's definitely getting out there, and the target audience that CBS Sunday Morning gets, I mean, is certainly up there in in years. I guess I I probably you know mark a uh the lower end of the the age range that's conti- you know continuously watching that show so i mean it's speaking to somebody
1: they're ordering packages from amazon prime so you know that they've heard a lot about it
2: bruce you mentioned uh uh lady gaga and i love how hard even still she is going for getting nominated like i was just trying to find this is just five days ago this is the most recent version of this kind of thing that's happened with like uh, her part in that movie for a little while now. This is a deadline story. Uh, how Lady Gaga made peace with her personal demons to play the Black Widow in House of Gucci. And I feel like there's been a version of that story in like every outlet for like weeks and weeks and months now. And I I, I, I love it. I love that like that's the way she's going for it. Yeah, it's it's um like some of those old
1: school ones that they actually had to clamp down on where they were actually campaigning, they would come and knock on your door and say, vote for me. And she's getting as close as you can get
0: Mm -hmm. to that style without actually um, knocking. It's one of those things though, where you don't wanna be too aggressive, maybe. I can't think of any examples off the top of my head, but it just seems like if you're-
1: Okay, I'll give you one from this year. One who's playing it very cool, Andrew Garfield. Yes. Andrew Garfield is very good at deflecting and he has moved up the ladder every week as somebody they go, yeah, we should consider him. I think he would be really, really good. He, you know, because you go, oh no, you know, it's all about, it's all about Jonathan Larson. And I was just so blessed to play this part. He can deflect really well. And this is Tick, Tick, Boom, which is on Netflix. And you know what? If he wins it, do not be surprised because he knows how to play it. The performance is good. He's singing. He's got another film in the the background. He has the eyes of Tammy Faye that he's not going to be nominated for. So there's a lot there. Usually if they have one or more films that were good, they get a good shot at getting the nomination and winning. If they have one good movie that they are going to be nominated for and they have a real stinker,
0: watch out. It's it's problematic. So speaking of some awards buzz, Nightmare Alley is going to be hitting streamers, both HBO Max and Hulu at the beginning of the month. And that's a movie that it seems like was very poorly handled from a distribution standpoint. Yep. Guillermo del Toro and Bradley Cooper is, is in it uh, as it's, it's a remake of a late, 40, late 40s, early 50s noir movie um, and didn't get seen in theaters. I saw it in the theaters. I went with my dad uh, over Christmas and we both had a, had a great time with it. It's, I think it's fantastic.
2: Chris, I love that we had familial experiences with this because I went and saw it with my mom over Chris's time. So <laughs> family-friendly Nightmare Alley. Yeah.
1: What do I dare take the parents to? Is that what you guys were looking for?
0: My dad and I, we share a big interest in like pulp, um, you know, noir type stuff. He he loves the, the TCM Noir Alley uh, programming. And so this was a, a perfect fit for the two of us to to go and see. And it's one that I feel like is is go- they're really trying. I think part of it is getting it on streamers so people can see it. And uh, I know Guillermo del Toro is in in certain markets. I don't think it's anywhere near us necessarily, probably just, you know, New York, l a, whatever. but it's going back in theaters in a black and white version. Oh wow. So I'm really interested to see how that goes, but they're doing, uh, you know, some interesting uh, pushes for that. And it's, I mean, you figure this is Guillermo del Toro who directed Shape of Water, which won best picture a few years ago. Uh, and it seems like, you know, the Academy likes him. He's got it, he's got that track record. He won't win with it, but
1: it'll definitely be in the hunt. And Cate uh, Blanchett is getting a lot of talk as supporting actress and Bradley Cooper is best actor. But Bradley Cooper also has, that supporting turn in Licorice Pizza that could give him a little push too, so we'll see.
2: Without talking about it uh, too much, because it still hasn't been that much time in the grand scheme of things. Bradley Cooper, uh, especially in the last little part of uh, Nightmare Alley, is like doing some of my favorite work that I've seen him uh, do. Like his last little turn in that movie, in Nightmare Alley, is fantastic, and I I loved it. I'm really happy that
0: they stuck the landing on, on that ending sequence. And Bruce, I mean, you, you talked about this when we discussed this movie uh, on a previous episode and yeah, the, the ending is, is very dark and grim and uh, it, I mean, it's the same ending as the, the original that it's based on. So, yep. you know, it's not necessarily the kind of thing you can really spoil, but even saying it's grim doesn't quite, you still don't, don't necessarily see where it's, where that turn is going to come from until it's uh, right up on you. and, Man,
1: <laughs> and you know, Power of the Dog has another one of those kind of things too, where you go, oh, I wasn't expecting that. Yep. You know, and I think that's that's what this year is. I wasn't expecting that,
0: and that's what we got. Power of the Dog, which is on Netflix, has been since uh, about a month, I guess, and seems to be the leading contender. And I don't know. It's it's a it's it's a great film, but. I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's, I don't know. It didn't really do a whole lot for me.
1: It looks like an Oscar film. That's why it's staying in there so long and it has good performances, but you know what? The, the love is going to Belfast. Belfast is the one that they're embracing they're going, Oh, I just, Oh yes. Oh. And it's Kenneth Branagh and Kenneth Branagh hasn't gotten the love he deserves from the Oscars. Which is true. And so that a lot could unpack with that. I I think it's going to be one of those things though, this year, best picture is not going to get best director. I think they're going to be split. Mm -hmm. And that would be a way of giving Jane Campion the best um, director award. And if you gave Belfast the best picture, it might kind of please everybody.
0: And it's, it's, you know, we're kind of jumping out of the, the streamed and, and screened uh, format here, but I would like to see West side story end up on on streamers in in the same way that nightmare alley is trying to be marketed to kind of get that and i still i still predict (laughs) i'm I'm sticking to my guns on this one but i think that west side story can can make a big push and and get up there if more people can see it because it's another one that just did not get the distribution push and uh people did not go see it. And so much of the, the dialogue around that movie, you know, was very much about the, oh, it didn't do the box office people expected. It's like, we're in the middle of a pandemic. This is not, <laughs> you know, whatever, whatever numbers you're getting, you're going to have to add a certain, you know, multiple asterisks <laughs> to these things in, in the books. But I would like to see that end up on, on HBO Max at some point between now and uh, the nominations, but I don't think it's going to happen.
2: Of course, the uh, the through line with both uh, West Side Story and uh, Nightmare Alley, which neither were handled the way they should have been, is of course, those are both uh, movies uh, related to Fox that uh, Disney uh, bought up and was uh, kind of the last little bits and pieces of stuff from when Fox movies were still Fox movies. And uh, hard not to think they just kind of buried some of these. Yeah. Or just didn't
0: want to give the bandwidth to, didn't want yeah. to, you know, have anyone in marketing, you know, spending any additional time on getting these things out when in reality, they totally could have had some, you know, some real awards contenders. But yeah, so kind of jumping jumping back into the, the streamed uh, and screened uh, format and to sort of throw to the interview that Bruce has, um, I'll mention some of the older films that are coming, hitting uh, streamers. Uh, Netflix is going to get Caddyshack 2 which has two songs by Diane Warren in there. And also, uh, White Men Can't Jump <laughs> is going to be on Hulu starting at the beginning of this month. And that has a song by Diane Warren as well. And I would say White Men Can't Jump is profoundly underrated.
2: Oh, yeah. All-time sports movie.
0: Yeah. Sports movie and a, a Jeopardy movie. And uh, yeah, it's fantastic. The Diane Warren connection is there. And uh, yeah, before we jump to that, I will. I've got a list of the the twelve nominations that Diane Warren has had, and the films that that she lost to. Some of them are kind of obvious, you know. I mean, Titanic beat out her song uh, from Con Air, which makes sense, I guess, because Titanic was just impossible. But the one that that makes the least sense is in 1999. I don't want to miss a thing.
2: That was the one I was going to say, too. Yeah,
0: Yeah, the one that she wrote for Aerosmith that was in Michael Bay, uh, Jerry Bruckheimer, Armageddon. Huge song. And it lost to When You Believe from The Prince of Egypt.
2: I don't even know that song. I don't even remember that song at all. And I don't like Aerosmith. Like, Aerosmith is one of the rock bands I loathe the most. I don't mind. I don't want to miss a thing. And I still remember that one. I don't even know what the hell that Prince of Egypt song is.
0: And not only that, but Diane Warren has a song on the Prince of Egypt soundtrack. That's wild. So she could have been nominated for two films. And it's it's the boys to men song I Will Get There, uh, which is the, the Diane Warren song from from Prince of Egypt. But that's the one where I, I feel like you you were robbed, just outright robbed. <laughs> so uh, yeah with um without any any further ado we can uh throw to the the interview that bruce did with diane warren and uh yeah we'll be back next week you can subscribe on your uh your players of choice jared mcnett bruce miller we'll see you see you next week and see something good see something good
1: We have talked about Diane Warren forever. We have. And we have pressed her case every year that she's nominated. It has been 12 years that she has been nominated for best song. Nobody comes close in terms of not winning in that category. And this year she has another song that could be potentially nominated. And she's crossing her fingers and hoping for it well so when we started talking about all this i said you know what we got to get a hold of diane we've got to talk to her and i got a chance to talk with her the other day and yep she's on the hunt she wants that she wants that oscar we talked about the song that she wrote we talked about how you go about doing all of this what it's like to be sitting at the oscars and not winning so there's a lot of stuff we unpacked and I think you'll have a good time listening to her because she's lots of fun. What makes a great movie song? What are the things you need to have?
3: Well, first of all, it has to be a great song. That goes without saying. You know, it, it has to fit the movie. You know, it has to, you know, take that movie somewhere or or tie it, tie it, it, tie it up emotionally. Like if it's the end song, like for instance, this song kind of, t- I think ties up, You know the movie emotionally you know um yeah it has to be a great song you know simply said it's a it's a great song that's great for the movie
1: so how do you start do you start by reading the script and that's what inspires you or Do you have to see the film and then you write it or how does that work?
3: It's different every time, you know, like, I I mean, I prefer to see something because for me, I have kind of ADD. So reading a script takes me a while. You know, my friends can read three scripts in a night. For me, it takes me a few days to read one, (laughs) Um, but you know, so it's either reading a script or, or, or seeing a rough cut of the movie. This movie, I saw, you know, a, a rough cut of the film, you know, so that, that helped me.
1: And then do you, do you write words first, music first, what comes first?
3: I kind of just sit at the, at my keyboard or guitar and I just kind of, it's almost like a, it's almost like my mind is a computer. And while I'm not thinking about it, it's coming up with things. And then I just, you know, I just, just, I, I, I'm working on something till it makes me, till I love it. I can't do something I don't love. And, and, you know, If I'm writing something, that's not making me cry or something. It's not making me feel something like, again, I'm going back to this song. When I came up with that chorus, you know, it really put tears in my eyes. I mean, that just, it really got me. And I know if it was getting me like that, that, that there was something there.
1: Then how quickly do you, can you write? Is it, can you do just in a matter of minutes or does it take days or what is it? How does that work?
3: Uh, you know, I'm not one of those people that go, go that say like, oh, "Yeah, I wrote that song in five minutes." No, my songs don't take five minutes. Um, musically, the song came very quickly. You know, lyrically, it took a while because I'm really, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm just such a perfectionist with 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 music and words. But you know, the music tends to come a bit easier, um, but the, but lyrics are you know, they can just really drive you crazy. Like, like with the song, there were some things that were so easy and then some things that were really hard, you know, lyrically. And I had a really great first verse. and like, well, how do I, you know, how do I get a second verse as good as that first verse? So that took me, you know, a minute. I mean, I worked on the song almost a week and mainly on lyrics
1: almost a week listen to you oh my god three and and
3: a half minutes and it wasn't weird you think like four minutes of something that you spent a week on it's really weird well
1: then (laughs) do you hear a singer's voice in your head do you say oh this is a reba song it should be a reba song or
3: sometimes i hear i hear an artist in my head you know or i think that where it could go and i thought of reba because you know when i when i write a song for a movie i'm almost casting that artist to be a part of that movie. And I could hear like Glenn Close's character listening to Reba McIntyre, right? Like it just sounds like it kind of fit her character and fit sure. that, what, what, what would be real in her world and authentic. And also there was an added you know layer with, with Reba, not only is she a great singer, but she's a survivor. You know, She's gone through a, a lot in her life and, and is still like just not just th- surviving, but thriving. She's like this epitome of a survivor. You know, of a woman who survived and i just thought if you if you take that voice and that persona and pair it with this song which is so hopeful and that that when you just are just when life's punched a hole in your soul and you're just at the end of your rope and all all this you know whatever you're going through that literally that somehow you do get through it because the darkest night will find the day that that's the voice that you'd want to hear sing those words and then mm-hmm. william shatner spoke those words so right
1: right <laughs> When you go into the studio, then do you coach them at all? Or how does that work?
3: It's different. I mean, I wasn't there in the studio when when Reba did the song. You know, Tony Brown produced the record, who's an amazing producer. And he did such a great record because all they had to work from was my piano vocal. So there was no arrangement or anything. So, you know, he came up with a beautiful arrangement and, and record and just a stunning performance, really.
1: Well, this song almost seems like it's a pandemic song. It really okay. So almost... that's
3: interesting. It's interesting you say that because when I, I I started writing it right at the beginning of the pandemic, and I, I was going to, to work every day at my studio, and it was weird because there'd be no no cars on the street. I mean, it, was, it was like apocalyptic. It was so weird, but yet I just went every day, and I and when I was working on the song, I kind of was thinking, "Wow, this is what the world's going through. This is what everybody's going through." So it took on this added dimension. Because of the pandemic, and that kind of slipped into this song. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that.
1: Yeah, I I, I felt it. I felt it was you're talking to me. You're telling my story wow. during this time, even though I didn't go through the same things the character do, does in the movie. Right. Um,
3: wow, about- that's that's really great. And if you look at the if you look at the comments on on her video, you know, on Reba's video, it's pretty. Okay.
1: Well, then, how did William Shatner get involved? Is that just
3: yeah, well, what, what happened was he asked me to be, he has a show called I Don't Understand, and he has various people that can, you know, show, you know, scientists, different people from all walks of life that to show him what he wants to learn always. So he wants to learn, you know, he, so he wanted to learn what makes a hit song. So he asked me to be on the show and it, I was thinking, wow, wouldn't that be interesting because I'd heard him do Rocket Man if he did, you know, if he did like a spoken word version of somehow you do and like it would turn it into this whole other thing like poetry you know because he has such his the way he speaks is so you know it's dramatic (laughs) it is it's dramatic it's powerful and so we went I went to his show and I kind of you know I mean I told his producer about it but I'm not sure if William Shatner knew about it but I brought my engineer and recording equipment and literally sat there you know with headphones on and, and and directed him to do it and we, you know, we did a few takes and it was just brilliant, you know. And it just, it added this whole other dimension to the to the song, really. You know, and, it, and then it became like, like the way I was looking at it is it almost became like, here's a man 90 years old that went to space. At nine years old, right? And he got this perspective of the world that we don't get. No one gets to see the world from space. Right. And it's almost like he came back down to Earth and he said, you know what, we're going to be okay. And when he says it, the way he says and we're you're gonna be okay. It's just like you just believe it. It's almost like he's just giving us all a big hug and saying, you know, we're we're gonna be fine. So so it's just it's interesting to have those two versions, you know. And then there's a, a mashup out there of the of both versions, where he's speaking the the verses and she's singing the choruses. That's really cool too.
1: Okay, talk about twelve times nominated for an Oscar.
3: Yeah, I okay. So I'm now the most nominated woman, and the entire 94 years of the Oscars to have not won. And there's only one, two the guys Susan ahead Susan Lucci, of me. right? I'm, that- the, I'm totally the Susan Lucci. And there's only two guys ahead of me. So, and, and by the way, in any category, not just music. So, you know, I, I kind of wear that proudly. I think that's really cool. You know, the fact is it's 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 longevity. I mean, my first nomination was in 1988.
2: That, wow. you know,
3: that was when i was two and um <laughs>
2: right, right. <Me laughs> yeah too. i was just, i was i was
3: a, I was a little prodigy cool. um so, but that was you know yeah so so from from 1988 and now we're in you know tw- look i was nominated last year so that was like a you
1: have a you have a run there too of being nominated every year for how I've many been, yeah you know
3: yeah i'm hoping it continues this year because you know I, I you know i mean i'm really proud of the song and
1: okay so then that first year do you say I'm going to win. It's going to happen. It's going to be, or what there's is that a, like?
3: Well, there's been a couple of years that I kind of felt that way, you know, but usually I don't go in thinking I'm going to win. Cause usually I don't win. But the one time, well, there was a couple of times I I, I thought, because you loved me, my Celine Dion song, I kind of thought that was going to win at that time. The one I really thought was going to win was the song I wrote for Lady Gaga till it happens to you. Cause that was like, everybody's like, you're winning, you're winning. And then when you're hearing it, you know, and 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 that she gave this performance on the Oscars that was just incredible. One of the best, yeah, it was like one of the yeah, best yeah. things like ever on TV t- to me with all these sexual assault survivors, and she's hitting these notes. I don't even, still don't know how she hit them full voice, but just that the whole it was just such. I mean, people in the audience were sobbing. I'm, I looked around and everybody's sobbing. Like a lot of you know, pretty famous people are all like in tears, and then it went to a commercial break and then they announced the winner of the category. And the winner is, I'm just ready to kind of go up there. It was like, um, yeah, not me. (laughs) So that, that was, you know, that I have to say that was, I was kind of bummed out that night, you know, but you know, well, how do you handle that?
1: How do you, do you just say, Oh yeah, well, we're here, but I'm at the show. I get to be in the audience, you know, or,
3: well, no, I was, look, I'm proud of the song. That song actually did, changed culture in a lot of ways. You know, that that was a really, that's a powerful song. You know, I'm proud of that song. I'm proud of the song I wrote. You know, yeah, the, to be, if I'm just being totally honest that night, yeah, it was, I, I was disappointed that night because I went, wow, what happened? I remember going, what happened? Weren't we supposed to win? It's cool. You know, you just kind of, you move on, you know, the song, you know, it's kind of funny because people don't, you know, really remember a lot of times what won. And if, you know, someone will, someone thinks I've. You know, some people think I've won a lot of times. I'm like, um, no. Even the Grammys, I've I've only won one Grammy.
1: Oh, you um, need so more than that. Let's kind of let's work yeah, on that it's one. Okay. It's okay.
3: It's one more than the Oscars I've won, so that's okay. <laughs> well,
1: what I look at though too is it seems like there's this kind of unfair edge now, I, and I'm just talking where you see that they throw in some pop star as one of the writers, and then I, you know, is that is that well, really
3: I mean, you just never know. You just—it's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's just, you know, you, you never know how it's how it's going to play out. The fact is, being nominated by itself is a huge, huge win, because there's not there's only five songs nominated every year, right? Right. On, you know, the Grammys. Look at all the song categories, right? There's just a bunch of them: country song, R&B song, gospel song, rock song, hip hop song. I and mean, There's just lots of songs. Song, song right. of the year. You know the Oscars have have won. There's five songs, and there's hundreds of songs released, and every year from movies, there's hundreds of movies every year released. So, and 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 the people that are, are the ones nominating us are the best composers and songwriters on the planet on Earth. You know, and so sure. if, if if those people, you know, find me worthy enough to nominate me, believe me, that's a giant, giant win.
1: Do you have the same the same you know, uh, this is my speech and I'm going to use it <laughs> any year or is it, does no. it, it would it?
3: have to be, it, it would have to be a different speech, but I've, I've had some pieces of paper I've scrunched up in my hands, you know, and, and and on my phone and stuff. Um, yeah, it would, but I've, I've yet to be able to, well, I did win the Emmy for the song I wrote for Gaga and I did get to use my Oscar speech at the Emmys. So.
1: Okay. So it doesn't go to waste at some point.
3: No. No. And
1: have you touched an Oscar? Have you actually, or do you have that kind of fear been, that if I touch one until I win one, I'm not going to do it? No,
3: I just did, I did a thing. Did you see the Academy, the, a night at the Academy the museum, museum? Yes. Yeah. So I held an Oscar there, and I got to give my my um, my speech, my um, you know my winner's speech, and then I got, to, and I almost I walked out, and I, at the end I go, I'm ta- I'm taking this, <laughs> and I almost meant it. I was like, okay, I'm going to make a beeline with this thing, and they're not going to catch me. Running. It. But they're We're really running. heavy. Oscars are heavy.
1: Well, have you picked a place where it would go,
3: man? I don't even, you know, I mean, I don't know. I, I think I'll just put it right next to my bed or something so I could see it to believe that it really exists. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, have to, I guess I have to win one first. Yeah, it we, would be great. It's going to
1: happen. I'm predicting it right now. It's going to happen. Okay. okay so let's, let's keep in that mindset. Now, okay. how many in the course of a year how do you figure out how many films are you going to be writing a song for? Do you just pick one or you do more than one? Or how does yeah, that I, work?
3: I, you know, I do, well, you know, sometimes I do more than, I, mean, I do usually do more than one movie song a year, you know, so, but, you know, you kind of have to figure out what, ha- if you're going to, you know, try to go get, get nominated, you can't really have, you can't try for more than one song really because you could it, it, it could split your votes, you know? So to, to me, this song had, You know, I had a couple other songs and stuff, but this song just felt like it just felt first of all, it's such a powerful song and it just it had a lot going for Glenn Close. The movie's great, you know, so yeah,
1: (laughs) it's but you also had your own album this last year
3: yeah it was me like it's it me being like a dj so it was dj diane you know <laughs> with, with all these different artists We're like what dj producers do so i, I kind of did my version of that yeah and, and and it's it had so many different it was kind of microcosm of my career because every kind of form of music was on there you had the ballads with john legend you know you had um you have miren morse you have country song you have you know um, g and Santana, Ty Dolla Sign, you know, John Batiste, who's up for 11 Grammys. I have a song coming out with him in Pentatonix called Sweet That's I'm really excited about. Um, yeah, there's just some great stuff on it.
1: it does, is that a different feel, though, when you're doing that kind of work?
3: N- I mean, no, it's a different... I mean, it's just me writing songs for artists, which is what I do. You know, I write songs and give them to people to record. This just happened to be me, like, me curating, you know, a, an entire uh, album. So you
1: do you ever think you'll be out of words or you'll be out of music? You'll say, "I've done no. it. I can't think of anything you No, know, there's it.
3: there's always something new. There's always something new to discover. So I don't think that way. I think there's always more.
1: Have you said no a lot and said no? I'm not going to do that one.
3: I, a movie or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I have. I have. I have to. I have to really feel something and and you know love something and think I can really contribute to do something.
1: And then what about the the singer? Do you have to have a connection with them too, or?
3: No, no. I mean, I don't have to necessarily know them or, but, but back to the movie thing. Yeah. It's, it has to be, it has to be the right artist for the song for that movie, you know? So when I'm writing a song and giving it to an artist, that's just, that's the right song for that artist. And that's really important. But when you're doing it for a movie too, it's not just a voice, you know, the right voice in the song. There has to be more than that, that artist, there has to be something, you know, that, that artist almost has to be another cast member of that movie is
1: there already one in the, in the hopper for next year? Have you already started that far? Yeah. Ahead?
3: There's a, there's, yeah, I have a couple of good things I'm excited about for next year. So, so yeah.
1: God bless you. That's great. It never ends, right?
3: No. <laughs> and
1: one last thing I do, I do have to know is when you're sitting at the Oscars, what is that like?
3: It can, well, it's, I'm always excited. Look, you know, I stay up all night waiting for the nominations. This I am not jaded in the least. I'm so excited about everything about the Oscars and and being there, you know, is ama- it's amazing. I mean, you know, like it's it's, you know, look, I was never the cool kid in school. I never got invited to anything. You know, I was kind of always the outcast and stuff. So, you know, it's kind of cool to be in, invited to the party, really, you know, especially that kind of thing. And yeah, it's it could be nerve-wracking, you know, <laughs> especially kind of when like if you think you have any chance, you know. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I thought well, even last year I maybe had a chance.
1: But I, oh, yeah. I did too. I did too.
3: Yeah, it's, it was I such a sure good song. It was be a year. I thought, and well, it was on my dad's birthday, so I'm thinking there's all these signs I'm getting, but you know, you know, it wasn't meant to be, you know. But you know, I I, I believe it'll happen.
1: Oh, I do too. I, I am convinced it's going to happen. And if not, you and Glenn should have that uh-huh. after So many nominations, they just turn into an Oscar, right?
3: I know we, we, it's kind of funny that we, we added it up we, we, between us. We, we've lost 20 times. Yeah. <laughs> She's lost eight times. I got her beat. She's catching up, but you know, I'm you still, know,
1: but really I'm, I think there should be a rule like that. Maybe if you get on the board, you say, let's make this a rule. You get X number of nominations. It's turning into an Oscar. I'm sorry. Yeah,
3: I love that. I'm, I'm, I'm all for that. Yes, let's make that happen.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much. And good luck.
3: Thank you so much.
1: I'm all ready for you. you, And I want you to make sure when you do go up there to accept that Oscar, you wink at me.
3: I will wink at you. I'll probably faint is what I'll do. (laughs) (laughs) But I'll wink at you before I faint.
1: Okay, I'm counting on you. Hey, and Diane, thank you
0: so much.
3: Thank you. Thank you. Good luck to you. Thank you.
0: All right. So that is the end of the episode. We're gonna be back next week with another interview and more picks. So make sure that you're subscribed to the show wherever you get your podcasts. You can check the show notes for links to where you can stream the movies and shows that we've talked about, discover older episodes, and find ways to contact Bruce, Jared, and myself as well if you want. The show is produced by myself, Bruce, and Jared, and I am the one who records and edits it. We hope that you've enjoyed the show and are taking very good care of yourselves out there. As always, See something good.